beloved ministry is inspired by chapter 7, verse 10 of the Song of Songs. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. In this season three of the Beloved Podcast, we're going to explore what it means to live in the gaze of God through reflecting on scripture and the stories of the women that we'll speak to. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Beloved Podcast in our season uh, Thinking About the Gaze of God. We're up to episode six um, and our theme for this episode is Can I Meet His Gaze? I am delighted to be joined this evening by Pippa Baker and Anna Bailey. Hello, ladies. Hiya. Hello. Um, And we're now halfway through Lent, just over halfway through Lent, depending on when you're listening. Um, And we're sort of looking towards Holy Week. So we're going to start today by reading a scripture. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 22, verses 54 to 62. And there's version that we're using is the new international version pip would you like to read for us and as we're reading in the link uh in the notes to the podcast if you've got your podcasting app open if you scroll down there's a link to look at an image there which is a painting inspired by this scripture then seizing him they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest peter followed at a distance And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Hmm. Thanks. Thanks, Pip. I love that scripture so much. It just, the the imagery of it is so, I don't know, extravagant. I think of the fire, Hmm. the fact that it was cold. It always amuses me that it was cold in Jerusalem because I think (laughs) of it somewhere as being really hot. So it conjures up a load of... uh, really strong imagery in my mind mm. and not um not least because when I was about 17 I actually went on pilgrimage to Jerusalem with school I mean that was just wow, I know, wow. It was, what a school trip <laughs> I know it was great it was just a handful of friends and we went with them um, with some people from a kind of university so we were the youngest in the crowd mm. and it was a really life um life-changing experience for me and we actually stayed in a place called uh, St Peter and Galicantu which is just outside of Zion Gate it overlooks the valley um it just overlooks the city walls it's wow. honestly it's a, there was a courtyard out the back of this church 
um, which was next to the accommodation we were staying in. And one one evening, um, we had a reconciliation service in the courtyard. And wow. if you could just pick a setting to go to confession, I mean, <laughs> this would be it. You know, yeah. talk about like the weeping over the walls of Jerusalem. It was mm. it was right there, and there was a sense of. Um, this was kind of, I think, because I was 17, it was almost mm. like my first real adult confession. Mm. And, um, there was something about, um, I was feeling really nervous because obviously at that age I had a bit more freedom. I'd obviously done a bit more things that my parents wouldn't approved of. So yeah. I actually had something to go to confession about <laughs> uh, as opposed to kind of arguing with my brother and yeah. disobeying my parents, though that was part of the, I'm sure, the, the confession. And um, yeah, the, when I got there, in this kind of beautiful, amazing setting. Mm. The thing I remember most was the priest um, who heard my confession and he just listened really patiently. Mm. And he was just looking directly at me, really, you know, not not in a strange way, but just mm. really focusing in and really attentively listening. And as I finished my confession, he just looked me in the eye and he said, you do know that Jesus loves you, don't you? Wow. when that was it oh. <laughs> I was yeah. like weeping 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 and it was that look of mm. love and as I um as I then began to we explored the script this particular scripture mm. it while staying in that place the two things really married up about how that is Jesus you know the priest and the person of Christ was looking yeah. at and the the image that you uh, spoke of that's in the show notes the the denial of peter mm. by carl block what i love about that image is that peter is like looking away he's he can't face yeah. kind of meeting the gaze of god because mm -hmm. of the sense of shame and the sense of you know unworthiness and you know everybody's looking at him uh, the people around the fire the woman's pointing at him but there's that sense of he just can't bring himself to look directly back at the lord uh, mm -hmm. because he he just feels that and yet i also like to imagine that this moment is just before he looks at him because mm, maybe yeah. when he sees him that's the look of love that reminds him that oh it, he does love me even yeah. though I've just denied him yeah. even yeah. though I've just made a massive mistake yeah yeah so that's um that's what that's um beautiful. that's what kind of it brings to my mind that the amazing memories have been there but the, mm. also that gaze of the priest in confession yeah. when it had all gone gone wrong that's beautiful I think yeah. there's something something so profound about what you just mentioned about how Peter can't look at Jesus like why mm. I, I'm so struck by the fact that Peter He'd been walking with Jesus for such a long time. Mm -hmm. He'd even had just just an experience of the mercy of God in the garden. He kind of impulsively, classic Peter style, had cut off someone's ear. <laughs> and, and, you know, Jesus does this incredible miracle and he mm -hmm. comes in mercifully and heals. And, you know, even in that moment, can we imagine what Jesus's face would have been to Peter? And mm -hmm. I think there's just something really profound about when we've messed up. Um, yeah what what's our reaction to looking to the lord because i know personally that when i mess up it, you know we don't want to make direct eye contact you know somehow our shame wants us to hide i mean this is just the the nature of our humanity it's something that we've seen in salvation history since the very beginning but what i love about it is that this this look from the lord yes it does it convicts us of of you know, doing things which are displeasing and won't bring us freedom and, and, and true love. 
but they call us into deeper conversion. They call us into like, no, no, I, I have mercy for you. I have more for you in this moment. Yeah. It's just, it really is just, it just embraces us in our brokenness. And I, and I think this really is just the radicality of, of the gospel, of, of the, the mercy of God, of the gaze of God, mm. that he's not, we, we somehow find it so hard to believe, like in this moment, God can't love me like this. Yeah. But, so it's exactly in that moment that he wants to embrace us. You know, yeah. it's, it's life changing, potentially life changing. It is. And I, I think when I'm when I was reading it, I was thinking what Peter's doing in that moment or immediately before that moment is he's he's not being himself. Right. Mm. It, it, the tr you know, Christ has met the true essence of Peter, you know, with Peter's declaration of faith. Peter's been there on the mountaintop with the transfiguration. He's had all these experiences and that is the true essence of Peter. And Jesus has seen that and that's why he's given him that name. That's why he's made him, you know, essentially the first Pope. He, he's seen that potential in Peter. And in that moment, Peter's lost. He's not being truly himself and he's concerned with, he's scared and he's worried about people, what other people think about him. And that, that look of Jesus it yes like you said it, it's that moment of realization but also it brings it back to who he truly is mm. and and he recognizes that he's done exactly the thing he doesn't want to do mm -hmm. um and I, I just think like so many of us we, we know when we've missed up when we've messed up we know that it's not really who we are mm. but it's that that look that reminds us who we are brings him back to his, his his self and i think that we i chose when we think about which scripture to use for this episode i chose the version in luke because it's in luke that we have this look from jesus and i think i don't know luke is very um as a whole gospel you get much more of a sort of physical human sense of, of everything that's going on um and i think this is one of those where it really is you can physically or i physically i can identify with that moment of of peter that that look and that feeling you know that gut punch of like oh this is this is what's going on I, yeah, yeah. It reminds us actually that just when you were saying there about, um, you know, Jesus giving Peter the name mm. that, you know, I remember learning years ago that um, Simon means weak branch. So that when, you know, he's, he's so J Jesus gives him the name Rock Peter, Cephas, mm. from having the name weak branch. And in some translations, um, to emphasize this, when Peter messes up, they go back to using Simon or Simon Peter mm. to emphasize that this isn't his moment of strength, but he still is wow. the that, uh, that Jesus uh, has, has kind of has named him for. This is true, his true identity is, mm. uh, that strength. That's beautiful. I absolutely, yeah, I'm so struck by this idea of how the gaze of God always sees the good. And, and reminds us who we are, like mm. really reminds us who we are. You know, that um, struck by how in the, um, the beginning of the scripture, it says, when I was reading this, I was so struck by how it says that Peter was at a distance at, to, from, from the Lord. He was at a distance. He stayed far away. And, um, and then when 
when Jesus looks at him, it's like this look calls us so much deeper. It mm. calls us into like really knowing the depths of who God is, knowing who we are. It, it doesn't it doesn't want to stay at a safe distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God want God wants to look closely. God wants to examine us and see us and we but and you know being seen is gosh one of the hardest parts of our faith isn't it yeah. allowing God and others to really see us but um yeah it calls us out of that safe proximity into a close personal relationship even in all our junk. Yeah. And actually having been seen um you know like I said before, Peter was all concerned about being seen to be one of Jesus' followers in public because that was dangerous yeah. and scary. And then after this experience and after the resurrection, you know, in the Acts of the Apostles, Peter is absolutely fearless. Mm. He's like, um, you know, in the Acts of the Apostles, he gets called before the Sanhedrin and they're like, don't do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm yeah, going to yeah. carry on. I love Jesus. Can't stop. <laughs> I'm just going to carry on now. I don't care what you all think. And it's such a radical transformation, isn't it? Mm. It is funny, though, because when you... I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I can certainly think of times where I haven't looked at other people mm. as God sees them, and I found them very difficult mm. and just uncomfortable, whether it's their behaviour or the way that whatever it is, there's something about me that just wants to move away. And then when you hear a bit of their story or when you mm. catch a glimpse of through whatever, how God sees them, yes. it make, that closes the distance. You know, Pippa, you were talking yeah. about the distance between God and Peter, but it's that sense of, mm. you know, when you, we see, when we're in the person mm. of God trying to be like other Christs, like mm -hmm. when we see through God's eyes, yeah. it helps us to draw closer to people. It helps us to not yeah. want to be repelled by them. You know, I can think of numerous people that I've just found difficult and suddenly yeah. you find out a little bit of their brokenness and you're suddenly like, Oh, okay. Mm. I, I see why you're like that. And I see yeah. why God wants to love you even more. Why I should love you even more. Yeah. And it makes that, that part easier sometimes. And and yeah. that is love, isn't it? Like that is, that really is the truest definition of love, mm. which love embraces brokenness. Mm. And it, it's so opposite to the vernacular we hear secularly that mm -hmm. basically we need to be strong to be loved or we need to be perfect <laughs> to be loved. Yeah. But actually, and, and I find that when I'm like at my worst, which I hate to admit, but it's more often than, you know, <laughs> than I'd like to <laughs> say. Love. Yeah. But like when I have that compassion shown to me by family members mm -hmm. or friends and they just say, I love you in that, in that place. Yeah. They show me, I'm like, how can you love me like this? But that is love. And yeah, that's the love we're called to it's the love we're called to receive as well from from the lord and it's deeply challenging um it is but so freeing and that's it why is. this scripture just makes so much sense to us because mm. we know what it's like for someone to look at us directly and say we know you're a mess yeah but it's okay yeah i'm still here i'm mm. still gazing at you and i'm still loving you yes. yeah. yeah and i think do you know the way that you're you're expressing that i'm thinking you know sometimes it is hard to look at someone and i'm thinking in my experience some of the hardest times to meet mm. someone's gaze is is when they're when they're struggling mm. because and i and i know i can't do anything about it mm. yeah, yeah you yeah. know because part of me always wants to be like oh well i'll solve that but there are yeah. some things that i can't solve 
yeah um, and and that can be really difficult but then the other way around like you're saying if someone can come and meet you in that brokenness mm-hmm. it's so powerful yeah that's um that really reminds me actually of um a time in my life when I uh, the Lord kind of allowed me to go through a, a particular season where people just kept opening up to me and mm. um in, in very deep ways, m- more, more ways than normal. And I'd find that most coffees I'd go on, people would be bearing their souls. And um, it was quite, uh, it was quite an intense time. And actually, I, I really felt completely helpless in the face yeah. of, to be honest, people's suffering, people's trials. And, and I, I really had to fight this natural um, response in me, which is like, right, I'll fix or mm. I'll have all the answers you need. I'll be the wise person you need to hear from all these kind of issues with pride or control. And um, I really, I, yeah, I was aware of this inability to help. And I took this to confession because I, um, there was, you know, stuff messed up in that. And um, I remember uh, this priest said that when, when we're in a position where we're, we're facing other people's trials or suffering, um, a really great scene to um, ponder or to contemplate is Jesus on the cross mm. with um, Mary, Mary the wife of Clopas and, and, and um, St. John looking on him in his suffering. And I, and I, I was so struck by this priest told, said, you know, ultimately, if, if they had climbed up onto the cross and, and tried, to, tried to take him down, Mm-mm. Um, that would have been completely, to be honest, completely inappropriate. Um, and they must have felt so um, helpless. They couldn't do anything. And it was right that they didn't. Um, they, you know, they really just had to stand at the foot of his suffering, um, in a sense, accept it, love him there, and and assume this position of helplessness. And, yeah. um, and I... And I find that challenging, but it's also really freeing because when we say, Lord, I've got to a stage where you are the only one that can save this person. You are my only hope, this other person's only hope. Suddenly we're living the gospel. (laughs) We're like living in the strength of of Christ. Um, So that was really helpful for me um, when I considered like, looking at people in their trials and in their suffering Mm -hmm. i think um that that scripture from uh, that moment of of standing at the foot of the cross i had a moment um uh last summer i was on a desired retreat actually and we had a moment where we were going to do some lectio divina we had quite a long time to do it about three hours worth so we, we were all given different scriptures um I said, go away and do, um, well, we were given a list of scriptures and we were told to choose one, like what, ask God, which one's going to speak to you today and go and spend three hours in Lectio Divina with that scripture. And so I got the list and the one that was like, there was no denying it, no matter what, how long I looked at this list, this was the one that the Lord was calling me to look at. And it was this scripture, but it was just one verse. So it was John nineteen twenty five, and it said, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And that was it. Mm. And I was like, really? <laughs> Three <laughs> hours? Give me a break. <laughs> and like, there was, there was nothing 
really and and the 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 thing was titled Mary Wife of Clopas and I was like well maybe she comes up elsewhere and I've just forgotten that bit but that's it that's the only time that Mary Wife of Clopas appears um there's some speculation that she might be the person with Clopas on the road to Emmaus but we don't know it doesn't say that like this is literally the only place in the bible that she appears I said oh gosh okay three hours on that few words but actually it was a massively fruitful time um like I, I cannot believe the transformation that the that the Lord worked in me in those three hours. And really it was that putting myself into that position, standing at the foot of the cross, looking at Jesus in his suffering, and and like you said, there's literally nothing that I can do um about it. And it made me think of I got to a point where it reminded me of when I was in labor with my first born um and it was well, it's quite a long story it was a long labor some things went wrong and it, there was a point where i was in a lot of pain um that whatever we'd been doing hadn't worked um and the there was a whole team around me of midwives and doctors and all sorts of stuff um and they they just told me to like keep breathing the gas and air and i got really disorientated I couldn't really focus on stuff and it was yeah in a lot of pain and I, I kind of got like tunnel vision and the one thing that I could focus on was I, I could see my husband's eyes and I couldn't really see anything else but I knew in that moment I said in that moment if I can just keep his eyes mm-hmm. in focus if I can just keep looking at his eyes then I know I'm going to be okay you know, long story short, I was okay. I'm here now. <laughs> My Praise the Lord. Now. It's all good. Thank God. But I was really brought back to that moment of that meeting his eyes. And and Jesus was, I felt that Jesus was saying to me, you know, the comfort that you got from the gaze of your beloved in that moment, that's the comfort that I want. Mm-hmm. Is is for you to meet my gaze on the cross in my moment of suffering and I was like (gasps) (sighs) and then later in the weekend we had a time of adoration eucharistic adoration and I was really struck by the amazingness that's not a word you know what I mean the the just like the awe-inspiring miracle of adoration like you know I can't hop in a TARDIS and jump back to the holy land in the first century and and actually be there if only <laughs> if only but actually in the eucharist i can be in that moment i can enter into and and, and we all can praise god enter into that moment um yeah and I, I think like at lent during lent maybe there is more opportunity for us to get to adoration mm. um i'd invite everyone to to take some time if it take the opportunity if it's available to spend some time in adoration and really place yourself at at the foot of that cross in that moment because yeah it it's so powerful and and i i was thinking like so many times on good friday like i've been you know so it's, it's a big emotions kind of a weekend anyway <laughs> the trip <trigger laughs> the holy week is <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but i think what can I do on Good Friday? I can't, like we were saying, I can't lessen Jesus' suffering on the cross and it would be wrong to. Mm. But I can be there for him 
Yes. I can be there with him. I can meet his gaze and, and we all can. Mm. Yeah. There's um, a quotation um, from St. Catherine of Siena mm. that says, it wasn't nails that hailed um, Jesus to the cross. It was love. And I, yeah. I just... Mm. we've been at work this week creating a resource for some teachers and we've been using that Salvador Dali image which is you know quite famous image of the crucifixion mm. and just that gaze of Jesus looking down upon the earth and that sense of his gaze being fixed on us on the mm. cross you know that sense of him really <laughs> honing in on us and I think when I first came to like uh, kind of renewal in my faith you'd you'd hear all the sentences along the lines of jesus loves you personally he loves mm. you and i'd be like yeah 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 mm. but I, I just um just as we're chatting i'm remembering the first time i went to the celebrate conference in ilfracombe one easter mm. and um there's a um a a version of the Stations of the Cross, a musical version, it's called Born for This. Oh, nice. EGM music. Love it. It's so good. But I, there was um, a group of um, young adults who were kind of acting it out, and but I was just watching on. There was a choir. It was fantastic. But I remember as they, um, in the part where they took Jesus down from the cross and they wrapped him in the shroud and carried him past us, mm. um, Oh my goodness, my heart, I just in that moment knew what it meant that Jesus did that for mm. me. You know, when it was one mm. of those little light bulb moments of yes. faith. But I remember I'd watched the whole scene go before me mm. and just thought, gosh, this is this is something else. And I think it's actually from that moment or one of those moments where that's just been really um an encouragement for me to want other people to see that mm -hmm. and I remember being on World Youth Day in Sydney and we had um, we had 130 people from the Leeds Diocese and like I was like I was in charge it was all a bit crazy mm -hmm. but, but the we got to this um on the Friday of um of World Youth Day they always have stations of the cross and this time something like when it was in Spain they had like you know the big processions like they are really traditional in mm -hmm. Spain but for um, the one in Sydney, they had these professional actors and actresses who mm. were going through the seats, streets of Sydney and then they ended up on the Docklands and where most groups would sit in one place, watch it on screens um, and at some point one of the stations would pass them. Mm. Anyway, we happened to be at the place of the... the um, the crucifixion Whoa. so we had a massive screen where we'd watched everything else but when it came to the crucifixion we were just absolutely transfixed on watching um this before our eyes mm. and i mean the setting again i find myself i've just realized i'm saying this i found myself in some amazing settings <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> my goodness but the sun was setting behind the this crucifixion scene wow. and this group of young people that mm. This was, for many of them, their moment of mm. realising Jesus was gazing at them. Mm. And what I found most powerful, in fact, I've got a little, like, shiver going on as I'm saying it, is that I found out after the event, like, maybe even six months later, that there were intercessors wow. praying on the highest points round the around the outskirts of Sydney for that event, for the mm. conversion of the young people there. Mm. And just thought, wow, they were watching on from a height, so mm. to speak, yeah. with their experience of knowing the gaze of God. Mm -hmm. 
and the power of the cross yes. on good like good friday and as that was displayed out for us like and these young people were coming to faith because for the first time for many of them they were having that experience of like gosh it is for me the mm -hmm. lord is gazing on me i suddenly yeah. you know, wow. just think, it's a it's a privilege to be a part of people's journey like that isn't it yeah i think i think stations of the cross is such a powerful like thing that we have in the catholic church such a gift um and it, you know it's it's maybe something that we sort of think oh yeah that's a bit of a yeah, a thing that the old ladies in the parish do or whatever but i would definitely recommend if, if you have an opportunity yes to engage with it this is uh, you know lots of parishes do extra stations of the cross type things during then i would definitely engage with it because it's mm. it's such a gift because <laughs> it really brings the drama you know it, it makes it yeah so and, yeah. and there's that truth of i mean ultimately jesus jesus wants us to know that the cross was out of love. Like this, this decision, his free will was to die so we could live out of love. And, um, you know, thinking about Peter, he, that's, that must have been the look he received. Yeah. Like sometimes we think it, oh, it, maybe, maybe it's kind of, I don't know, judgment in God's eyes when he looks at us when we make mistakes. Like, no, it's only love. It's mm. only mercy. And that's what truly convicts us yeah. and, and wants us wants to draw close to him. And, you know, and, and I think to myself, like, what would have happened if Peter hadn't received mm. that look of love? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I once had Pete Gregg talk about, who's a great pastor, oversees the 24-7 prayer movement. He, he just did a reflection on what would have happened, how things would have been different if Judas had received the, the merciful gaze of God. Mm. And, 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 and that's because no pit is too deep. Mm. Um, the cross is for us all. Every, everything can be redeemed through Christ. And, and he loves us. He truly <laughs> loves us. Um, this is these are his eyes this is what he how he looks upon us so um, it's changed my life and um, continu continues to <laughs> yeah you know deeper and deeper conversions as I as, as we go deeper in the Lord yeah. so wow I think that's a really good note to end on um, perhaps Anna you could lead us in in prayer just to to close our time together sure so I thought that um for this just the last moment of um our time in prayer we could maybe just pray the the station of the cross of jesus dying on the cross mm. in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen, amen. the twelfth station jesus dies on the cross As Jesus hung on the cross and gazed on his faithful few followers below and they gazed upon him, he forgave the soldiers who had crucified him and prayed for his mother and friends. Jesus wants all of us to live forever with God. So he gave everything.
Jesus, let me take a few moments now to consider your love for me, your gaze upon me. Help me thank you for your willingness to go to your death for me. Help me to express my love for you. We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Lord Jesus, we pray for all those who are listening to this podcast. We ask that you would stir in their hearts an awareness of your great love for each of them. Lord, we thank you for the gift of faith and we pray that you would give that gift of faith to more, that they would be open to it, that they would seek your gaze and meet your eyes in love. Mary, you stood at the foot of the cross, helpless in that moment, or so it seemed, and yet your faith is a strength for us. Your intercession is unbounding. So we ask you to pray for all of those who are listening now. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, star of the new evangelization, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Pip, for joining me today in this episode of the podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening and getting to the end. Well done. Our next podcast is going to be just after Easter on Divine Mercy Sunday. But um, during Holy Week, we will be re-releasing the uh, monologues that we created last year going through Holy Week through the eyes of different women in the scriptures um, also starting that weekend at the end of the easter week is a beloved retreat uh, bookings for that are open so if you want to have the in-person beloved experience uh, do have a look on that there's details of that in the notes of the podcast as well as details about our social media um, about how you can get in touch with us how you can make a donation if you feel moved to do that um, but yes enjoy and have a blessed rest of lent and we will see you in easter tide